imagine me and you. And I do. Yeah. Think right. about you day <laughs> and night. Yeah. Right. Right. Only right. 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 Only Is that song? So happy together. Isn't this song Happy that song's also you know what's crazy is that freaky friday came out like a year later and this was also the song they used yeah that's a hitter uh welcome to is it whack your favorite podcast about movies um i'm one of your hosts (laughs) Funk A, and I'm joined by Seb. No one's listening after we all sang that at the same time. I think, I think we even got more listeners. People stopped the podcast and said, guys, you got to hear yeah. this. No, and all of their in. ears like got up and walked away. <laughs> their, their ears were like, I quit. It's not worth it. That it's was the called... voice of Hannah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. It, I was going to oh. say that it's called the Xbox 360 because your ears do a 360 and then walk away. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't get America. it. Because uh, you do a 360 and... You, you, what is uh, the Xboxes? Classic joke. The Xbox 360. We're also joined by Nara. Hi! And Adam. Hello. Hey. Uh, I, is the new the new Xbox is called the Xbox Series X, right? Yes. That's a terrible name. Know. What does that That's mean? A it's a horrible... Name. I literally... Everyone brings up the name to me and I'm like, it's a horrible name. It is like... I don't know why they come up with these boring, yeah. con- confusing, and convoluted names. Because the last generation of Xboxes was called the Xbox One X. And now they're calling it the <laughs> Xbox Series X. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, right? I was confused right? by that. Also, yeah. like X sometimes stands for 10, which I learned. I went to get a new phone and I kept mm. referring to the iPhone 10 as the iPhone X. And then the guy behind the counter kept correcting me. And then I kept saying it, the iPhone X. And he, but it is and the iPhone X, I isn't it? I thought that's what it was called. No, it's the yeah. 10, apparently. Because like Roman numerals. Not people in the phone industry. <laughs> oh, the insiders don't call, don't call it that. Like, yeah. Huh. I, the Xbox name is just so. It's, the conventions make no sense. It's the PlayStation. It's very simple. PlayStation does it's it right. Very, you Xbox. Add a new Xbox number. Xbox three. Just add the next number. Yeah. Welcome. PlayStation to, three. Is it PlayStation whack? four? But that's. I, I think that's. I think that's too boring though. Mm. Like I think PlayStation is pretty boring with it. Like they haven't really done, other than numbers. And Xbox is too like weird with the name i feel like you gotta have like a cool name you gotta like like be like right yes or like no we we you was the worst one though but nintendo does do it well it's a perfect name the xbox excelsior that's cool that's cool you think they should like take notes from like people who name like card models yes like or or like Food flavor, like candy flavors or something. Like, <laughs> Xbox. It's the same. No, no, nail polish. Nail polishes mm. get the craziest names. What are their I'll names tell- like? Uh, let me look. Um, oh no, that doesn't have a name on it. <laughs> I love uh, how when you leave, I can just see the pizza rat. On the it's just way. This to- one's called Set Sail. Hannah has a pizza rat background. For no, the pizza rat's um, oh, this one's, in Hannah's room. This one's called like Schoolboy. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, the Xbox Schoolboy. Uh, this one's <laughs> that called would sell. That would sell big time. Hardcore so Party. <laughs> oh, the Xbox Hardcore Party? <laughs> Dude, I would pre-order like six of those. But like that is pretty much uh, what Nintendo does, and it is cool. Like, you know, you got like the GameCube, you got the Wii, you got the this Switch. This one's called Soulmate. They're all different names, but they like, it's Ooh. cool. Nintendo you know what I would watch? Boy Nintendo Hardcore Party. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, no, I would watch? <laughs> I would watch on the Sony Soulmate. I would watch <laughs> the hit movie Adaptation. Ooh. Wow, what a segue. Ooh. That who who brought this one in today and who would like to talk about it? I did did we even all introduce ourselves? Yeah. Funky yeah. yes. oh, did it for I'm, us. I'm... Okay. I just I lost track in the chaos. I apologize. <laughs> chaos. I think they know who we are now. We are in. We are. We are. We are starting a series. We've already started it. This is the second one, mm-hmm. called Chrisit Whack about the Chrises of Hollywood. Chrisit Whack Anna too. Has her hand. You know what I realized is that um, as we get closer to the holiday season, people might easily mistake this series for a holiday um, mm-hmm. Chris series, <laughs> and they are going to be surprised Christmas when it's not Chris. Yeah, it's it's literally Chris. I just realized that. I think we should just never acknowledge it. Well, we I just might have to well, get a Chris I just think we did last episode, and we just did. That was two, you okay, said the Chris Kringle thing. Yeah, Didn't that was two episodes ago. Before Chris and Wack ever first? started. That was at the end of the Lady oh, World okay. episode. Right, right. Okay. And well, I Adam thought the Chris in Christmas was Chris Kringle and not Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the liberals have won. <laughs> Oh my god, the war on Christmas is real. <laughs> and it's over. <laughs> A- anyway, there's an actor called Chris Cooper in this movie. He won the Oscar for this movie. Who? I Good love him, him so much. He did a great job. He's a he's a weird looking character actor, which is my favorite type of person. He was my favorite <laughs> look, part of the how's film. How does he look weird? He's a pretty normal looking guy. Of, uh, I don't know. He's kind of a unconventional looking person. I think he's a normal looking person, but he's unconventional for a Hollywood actor. Especially, I think he got more success than like, I don't know. I think now there's less and less weird looking people. It's all really hot. What about Buscemi? Yeah, but Buscemi's been around. <laughs> oh, you mean like up okay. and coming on the scene? Like like breaking onto the scene? It's, there's less weird looking people? It's, everyone's hot now. Well, all the weird-looking people wow. are hot. Like Adam Driver looks weird. Is Even hot. the weird-looking people are hot. That's so hot true. Or weird-looking, or just I, nothing. He's just nothing to me. And that's I why he's that's just a why he's such a big he's thing a because we can't stop talking about. Is he? What is he? A guy. Okay. Well, <laughs> I guess we have can stop talking about it. Someone, someone on Twitter said in the '90s, one of the top-grossing movies of the year would always be a legal thriller with a bunch of ugly character actors. And that's true, and that doesn't happen anymore. Guys, I don't want in that. The wrong decade. I don't need that in my life. Like, I don't need. I it. know, but I do. I don't need a legal thriller. Like, I really don't. No, I, I love, um, I love legal my Hollywood legal. full of good-looking people who are bad at what they do and. Uh, are interchangeable. 
Well, I just think <laughs> this is the angle that my Chris occupies, you know? This is this is oh, what, his what Chris would separate isn't him. like other Chris's. I'm not saying it makes him better than the other Chris's. I'm saying that this is just right. my You my know angle. what? The Chris oh. you pick says something about what you want. I'm just from gonna him, say I'm I just think. gonna say it. I don't mm. think it's that much like it's not that difficult to be a better Chris than Christian Slater. Like you just have to be a decent person to be a better Chris. I'm not saying he's better. It's just a different Chris. I, all, you know, you know. I, I hear what you're saying. Like the economy of Chris's right now, it's like the most famous Chris's <laughs> in Hollywood are all like pretty hot Chris's. You know, you got Chris Pine. Yeah. You got and Chris, I, I enjoyed uh, that. Pratt. You got Chris Hemsworth. Like they're all hot Chris's, you that, know? Kristen yeah, Stewart. So I like, I like that you're coming Chris in with a Chris Pratt. that like, you know, maybe not as conventionally attractive. I think he's still a good looking guy. But he doesn't this necessarily really fit in the, in the current economy of Chris's. So, yeah, I like, yeah, I like what you're talking about, So I like what you're bringing to the table here. Though he's on a comeback lately. But we should talk about the Yeah, he's film. in Little Women, right? He's in Little Women and Little A Beautiful Little? Day in the Who? Neighborhood. Oh, Is he the, I never uh, saw that. uncle in Little really Women? Good. He's the, the neighbor. Who, yeah, uh, the, uh, the, old, the old guy? <laughs> yeah, the, the guy old? who... Um, <laughs> kind of latches onto Beth, and I think yeah. he's phenomenal in that movie. Yeah, he's there's a really scene good where they movie. they just mention Beth at the end, and he just looks into his dream. Oh, I oh, know. Oh, Devastating. Talk about Beth. Don't talk about Beth. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Um, can I just say I feel less for Little Women than I think I should, just because I watched it right after I saw Emma, which I think goes towards Seb's point of weird-looking people in Hollywood because of Mia Goth. Mia Goss, kind of weird looking. She doesn't really have eyebrows, but she's also like weird looking in like a more acceptable way. Yeah, but she's way. also really conventionally. Yeah, she's like conventional but attractive. Kind of weird. At the, but she's dated Robert Pattinson. That's true. And she's on the fringe. She's not an A list. That's true. I but just like Emma, I think made Little Women bad for me. But that's a different thing. But also, I think it's like that movie has a lot of goofy looking people in it, and I think that's where you can find your like goofy niche if you want. But young, but, hot people who are weird looking. But I don't think that Lil Woman was filled with, like, hot himbos and shit. Oh, no, like, I'm... Tommy Lee Jones was a major star <laughs> Bob in Bob Odenkirk, he is a hot himbo. <laughs> humana, humana. It has Chalamet, and they made Frederick, uh, you know, Garrel. a young man instead of a middle-aged man. Odenkirk. Which was a good decision. Yeah, but Louis Garrel but is they made him like half a hot of his guy. finger. Yeah, but I would just say Emma has as many conventionally attractive people as Little Women. No, I just think I just saying. think overall. Also, I'm sorry, but I do not stand for Greta Gerwig slander on this show. Let's move on. What is this movie, Seb? <laughs> okay, this movie is very easy to explain. I love it's Little Women adaptation. By the way. Yeah, Little Women rules. I haven't seen Little Emma Women's yet. I heard it was fine. Good. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm also, I, I just love Anya Taylor. Hannah, I know, Hannah, I know how you feel yeah, right now because Nara also told me that Matrix wasn't good. Nara um, gave the movie we are talking about today two stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> two stars? <laughs> two stars. I was watching this shit and I was like, damn, this is a movie. <laughs> also, like, this is Nara, a <laughs> this movie is so weird. Why? It's just it's not should my be thing. your type. It's just not. I get it. I get it's it. Not my I, I honestly get it. Um, I saw a review on Letterboxd that said, oh, wait, I want to quote it. It was from Branson Reese, who's very funny. Adam, cut this out. <laughs> I love the no, music, I, though. Ba, 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 no, I'm going to remix ba, it. This is such a messy episode. This episode is alive. Ba, 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 
This episode is alive. Okay, Branson Reese says, I hate Charlie Kaufman's Moten Yeah, but I'm also going to edit it so that once you say this episode is alive, there's like a long pause where none of us say anything. You don't have to. I hate Charlie Kaufman's mopey, pretentious, navel-gazing, cutesy, afraid-of-women ass so much, but this is the best Charlie Kaufman movie, and, like, it's good, but I do not like admitting it. But I understand all the first part and still not thinking the movie is good because you're so tired of him, which I understand. That's just how I felt the entire movie. I was like, I don't... Like, it's... I think there... He made a choice here, which, you know... Yeah. Anyway, this movie's called Adaptation. It's directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman. I saw it when I was a kid. I loved it. I hadn't seen it since I was like 12. And I was like, is this going to be good? And I was like, yeah. And I'm then, sorry. You watched this as a kid and loved it? I loved it. That's I was like 12 or 13. Yeah, I, like, I had the same experience. I think, so I, think yeah. I would watch this when I was like 12 and think this is a, the best film ever. But now I'm just like, this is awful. Okay, we were different twelve-year-olds. <laughs> we I, I, I think there's elements of it that I liked less this time, but we'll we'll get we'll get to that. It's a kind of weird movie to explain. It's a it's about the screenwriter of being John Malkovich, Charlie Kaufman. Like he's the main character. He's also the screenwriter of this movie, attempting to adapt co-screenwriter of a, this movie. Yes, with with his brother Donald, he's <sighs> attempting to adapt. Um, the Orchid Thief, a uh, book by a New Yorker journalist, um, and it's about his attempts to do that. But it's also kind of an adaptation of that book. So this a is a real way. book. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was confused. It's a real person. <laughs> is she? Was she involved in this, or is she like? Slim? I don't know. She, sh- she shot him. She killed somebody. She had to have been involved with it, right? Because it's like, otherwise, (laughs) you make it a really weird choice for what to do with that real life person. Yeah, they're like, she became a drug addict and a murderer and cheated on her husband. Big spoiler, actually. Oh, sorry. Whatever. But that's okay. I think it's just, it's, I think it is worth watching this movie and not knowing what it is. Because it goes to such strange places. And especially as a kid, I was like, okay, I kind of get what kind of movie this is, even though it's really weird. I get that it's a kind of a comedy about this weird writer. And then at the end, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) I was so surprised, which I think is is a thing that's worth keeping in mind. I think we'll talk about it later, but I just want to say about the ending, it was wild because it was like... The writer was fighting the book that he was like researching the whole time. I was like, "What the hell?" I was, it was such an interesting clash, but I, I really enjoyed that part. And it also became like his brother's version of what the movie would be. <laughs> yeah, so sick. What a choice. Is this? Uh, is this post? Is this what? Po- like this is like meta. Never... It's like meta fiction. No, but like the blending of like real life and um, film and like 
Is that postmodern? Because I'm thinking, what's, who's the guy with the, oh, never mind. <laughs> the guy with the what? There's the be... guy who's like, there's the different stim- stimula, stimula, or whatever, and it's like, you have like the, the artifact, and then you have the blending of like that artifact, like cultural artifact, and reality, and becomes like they're inseparable, um, in these different stages. I don't remember this. Never mind. I think the, <laughs> you know, this, this movie makes you aware that it's a movie, like intentionally a lot. Yeah. And the, the creation of the movie. I think that's yeah. postmodernism. I don't know. I think it is. I don't know though, these things. Well, what's modernism? Yeah, it's postmodernism because modernism. No, is... I can look up. Yeah. I can tell you what modernism is. It... <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, it is it's... postmodernism because postmodernism is about intertextuality, which is yeah, where exactly. everything that's references where itself. Yes. Yeah, I Thank just you. watched well, I a lecture on that in art history. On this podcast. <laughs> Damn. Um, oh yeah. Uh, what um, you not just really. Said... I'm just trying to remember what I learned in like first year cultural studies. Like, but. I don't... What you said, said Seb, in that uh, it does make you very uh, aware of, like, the filmmaking and specifically of, like, the screenwriting, um, I think was also the thing that really struck me when I was, like, 12, 13 when I first saw it. Because it was, like, and, and and Charlie Kaufman movies in general, I was, like, they're, they're very showy with their writing. They're very, like, up mm-hmm. in, in your face with, like, how they're constructed. I think in a way that could probably off-put a lot of people. But for me, as like yep. a kid who was just like getting into movies, it was very exciting for me to see stuff where I was like, whoa, this is like really deconstructing uh, form and 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 really putting that in my face in a way that like even as a 12 year old, I can kind of get it. Um, but I don't know, even watching it today, like and it had been a bunch of years since I watched it, I feel, still think it's a pretty, I mean, a very smartly constructed movie, intelligently constructed movie that uh, I'm excited to get into <laughs> my dad really likes this movie w. You, got you know the dad what co-sign. not not to go back to little women but the endings are similar yeah yeah definitely oh right, yeah like this adaptation of little women yeah yes specifically the girly one it's a postmodern take at the end right. yeah on definitely. little women <laughs> Anyways, and Chris Cooper, Meryl Streep team up. Oh my god! Mind blown. Basically the same movie. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that there's an extra, like a little boy, and that's Timothy Chalamet, first ever on-screen appearance. Holy shit! Oh, we got much to discuss about the cast. Has anyone seen Being John Malkovich? Yes. No. I saw it, I think, around the same age. I saw this first, and I was like, oh, I have to see Being John Malkovich. And then I went to see Being John Malkovich, and I was like, oh, what? And I was really <laughs> lost, and I haven't seen it again since. I like seeing Being John Malkovich, but I also watched that when you... I was, like, 13. And 13 okay, but you liked it more than this. Yeah, but I was also, like, 13 and watching it. And I think I would still enjoy being John Malkovich more than this, but I think it is also like that same thing that Adam was talking about when you're like first getting into like films yeah. as like um not just like an entertainment form, but like parsing a part like or parsing out how they are like constructed and how they function. Though like yeah. that is sort of like a good stage to be like confronted with all this like surreal and like self referential like Hollywood cinema. Yeah, okay, I think a I lot just... of the sorry. 
I just want to say when I was 13, I went to see Disney's prom in theaters. So, <laughs> like, we were talking. I think you like, win. Anyways, <laughs> I think you were, like, honestly, I think you're having more fun as a child than I probably was. <laughs> yeah, it was so dumb and uncultured. I, I think Kaufman is, like, you know, that is kind of the age. Like, or I think it's just kind of when you first start getting into film, I guess you see a lot of those. Like, uh, Eternal Sunshine, which he also wrote, is but, like has a lot of that as well. Or not so yeah. much about filmmaking, but a lot of like making you aware of the the story and the structure. Yeah, I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. It's a good movie. I have not I think seen it. Eternal Sunshine. I have a whole thing about this movie, which <laughs> I always try and save, but then I get excited and I just want to say it. What? Um, <laughs> uh, what okay. do you mean? What you say? I have a like a thing to build up. Okay, what do you want? Dramatic reveal. What do we have to say to build up to that? So, what do we have to do? Seb, do you want to give your? Oh, you already did your summary, didn't you? Well, I don't know. Like, how do you summarize this? I think you did a pretty good job. It, yeah, and it, like, yeah. I guess like the main thing to be aware of, like as the audience, is that it like flips back and forth between like Kaufman writing it, the um like journalist writing her story the journalist researching her story and then Kaufman researching for his script mm-hmm. so and like there's a lot of his personal life as well yeah yeah his brother's also writing his own uh <laughs> more conventional Hollywood thriller it's Silence of the Lambs meets Psycho <laughs> mm. that'd be such a good reference if I had seen either of those films the way he I'm described the movie vibes too the way he described the movie really does sound exactly like Silence of the Lambs meets Psycho. It was a pretty apt comparison, I gotta say. It's sort of a race between machine and horse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cage is so good in this movie. Cage yeah. is like, great. You can tell when he's Donald. Like, his Donald is so different, but still oh, yeah. so obviously a Kaufman. And all the performances, like, honestly, they're all even, like... Mer- I, it's like hard to be like oh my god Meryl Streep was amazing because it's like yeah it's Meryl Streep <laughs> but when she when her character is spoiler like hi for the first time yeah holy yeah, shit she's switch. so good in that oh my god love it. I hear the, the dial tone thing oh yeah so good I hear what you're saying Hannah but like I don't know I haven't seen too many Meryl Streep movies I've just like heard okay like Meryl Streep is such a great actress uh, and I guess like this is one of the few performances that I've seen her in, and yeah, she really like snapped, especially like at those parts where I guess you find out more about her, and when she's lying to uh, Donald in the office, I was like, oh, this is like, what's going on here? She does a really good job. Love her. She's so good. You know, on top of uh, LaRoche and Susan Orlean and Charlie and Donald Kaufman, do you know who else is a real person? Which also I think is funny. Uh, Robert McKee, the screenwriting guru. Yeah, that's a real book. They made us read that in film school. <laughs> what was the guy? Was that was he playing himself? No, that's Brian Cox playing him. <laughs> okay, you know what is funny is you have all these people playing real people, and then you have Catherine Keener playing Catherine Keener. Yeah, I ah. think it would have been funny if you had someone else playing <laughs> Catherine Keener because. I thought Maggie Gyllenhaal oh. was supposed to be Maggie Gyllenhaal at first. I guess she wasn't that famous at that point. Yeah, I don't think so. I I have something to say. She was Catherine Keener was also in Simone. 
<laughs> oh, she's like, in, she's in showbiz. Like, that's her thing. Look at all these intertextual. Um, uh, We're kind of doing a postmodern podcast here. Inter- yeah. Oh. Intertextual references to our older episodes. I Wait, have an intertextual can we? reference How can to we our make that episodes? work in this episode? If we can make this somehow like adaptation, I'm just saying it could be the best episode ever. Well, that means the movie and the podcast have to become one at some point. So we need to like, we need to start living the podcast and the movie because they're blending the two. It's intertextual. Wait, Adam, who's that behind you? Is that your brother, Peter Bovo? We should have planned yeah, this. He, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to make this. Oh, I got an idea. Okay. I might cut this, but all right. Okay, but guys, I'm to make, us, us planning it now and brainstorming is like adaptation. I think I'm so stupid. What? I'm so fat and bald. Why didn't I plan this ahead? <laughs> what? I mean, this could slowly turn into like a murder mystery uh, or like a serial, like a murder, like like a serial kind of thing, you know? This episode. Are you gonna kill one of us? Well, like, right, okay, right, so right. my my twin brother right here, Matta Bovaletis, uh, he really. I thought he was Peter. Yeah, yeah him too. <laughs> That's his actual. <laughs> my twin uh, is talking now. Right and, right. and yeah, I just think, like, you know, a movie podcast, yeah, this is cool. But if you really want this mm-hmm. to sell, like, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking more of a, uh, you know, a thriller kind right. of thing. Like, I just saw. Like, yeah. Uh, cereal uh-huh. meets uh-huh. Pod Save America. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Sorry, just let me get my tape recorder out. Yes. Uh, Hannah listens intently to her co-hosts spitting their ideas, and Ooh. she then writes about how she listened intently to her co-hosts <laughs> spitting out ideas. And they have no idea how dumb she thinks they are. She, she talks <laughs> into her deodorant, pretending it's a tape recorder. And uh, she, now she can't think of anything funny. <laughs> Do you know when this movie had me this time? Where I was like, oh, this is as good as I remember. And I'm sure it's where it had me the first time. Where? Um, Hollywood, LA, 10 billion years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so funny. That It had you so early. In the it's movie. so fast. It gets me so fast. And And I also think... It looks like real footage of Malkovich on the set of being John Malkovich. Yeah. Like if yeah. if it's not real, it's really well staged. And then when it goes over to Cage, it looks so seamless. Yeah. Like it looks like it's within the same shot. I have no idea how they did it. Well, all the editing with Donald and the main character, I forget his name. Um, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. I was like Charlie. Charlie. It was like seamless between each shot like when they were passing each other too i was like how do you even have that technology like, so uh, hello like, because the parent trap had come out like a couple <laughs> years before that oh, movie shoot. walked so this movie could run <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i'm remembering right though but i remember even as a kid in the parent trap i could go okay she's standing on one side of the screen all the time well, and the other one is standing on the other side also of the with screen, like the and parent... they stitched the two shots no the they did trap? have them i think together at some point yeah but they there's had... a lot more like over the shoulder like oh that's a body double like yeah but this yeah. movie did a lot of that too trick photography like, like passing in front and of there's each like other the car, and like the car when they're sitting in the car together and it's like <laughs> that's the that's the one that blew my mind where yeah, it's like, the two of them looking out the window yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
But also I, in that like, one, I feel like it's easier to double because it is like a blacked out background. It's easier to like mask and like feather edges. Right. True. But in 2003, though, or 2002. Yeah, they didn't even know a, what yeah. a feather was. <laughs> yeah. it's just whenever i see like two people cloned in a scene i'm always thinking like how is this being done like what is going on and I think... this one i was like truly what the hell yeah um shout out shout out to the homie but i think ever since i've seen um sabrina's film where she clones herself a billion times nothing will blow my mind more than that one that's very impressive. But in 2002, a feather was something that was on the dodo bird. <laughs> yeah. I, like, the dinosaurs had just gone extinct. But Sabrina like, didn't have did a they budget. Even maneuver that? So, but Sabrina Fair. was born knowing what a feather was. Oh, that's true. That's true. I guess you're just, like, light years ahead if you know what a feather is. Yeah. But the, the, the prologue with the, you know, beginning of time... Is later referenced, you know, when he's writing, he's like, oh, we I open know, on the beginning of existence. And mm-hmm. and it sounds so like profound. he's rambling as like an idiot, but we saw that and it was awesome. Yeah, because the movie is the movie that he's making in the movie. And but it's like, he never looks cool at any point. He always looks yeah. like an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing, but he's also showing you how he could execute those things. Those shots because of the flowers even, and the bees. Even that one moment, like, right after he says that, he, where he does, like, the rambling, and it, like, to him in that moment, it's such a good idea. Then the very next scene, it's, like, him listening back to it, and he's like, this is the worst <laughs> like, idea. <laughs> Which I think is kind of, like, the movie. I mean, it's a movie about, like, filmmaking but and screenwriting, but I think a lot of it more so like the screenwriting is like a symbol for just like uh, being so stuck in your head, being so worried about like how you're perceived, how the world thinks of you uh, and like your inability to like go outside of your own shell and comfort zone and so on and so forth. Uh, and it's kind of cool that like the movie feels like we are... Uh, forming our like perspective on like the output that he is so clearly like insecure about. Uh, I don't know if I worded that very well, but you know what I'm saying? No, no, no it makes, makes sense. sense. In a way, the movie's almost like going like, Hey, I know everything you're seeing is stupid, but like, I know it's stupid. So it's not stupid. So it's like meta <laughs> and it's cool during the movie. It's like someone, <laughs> when you're like w- looking at something someone's made and they're like, I know, like, I know this isn't like quite like, but it's happened like inserted <laughs> into the plot and, and also i assume like the two nick cages are like two facets of the real charlie kaufman's at least like because i don't know enough about charlie kaufman as like an individual but i assume he's not as absolutely pathetic as he <laughs> is portrayed um but he's also probably not too much like Donnie, but I'm sure he has a bit of you know, like right. Like, mm-hmm. are those two competing sides I got, of him? I got those vibes as well. Or is like Donnie I was saving the re- reveal that Donald isn't real? <laughs> I thought uh, you guys didn't know. I oh, I I know he's not real in real life. Yeah, oh, I know okay. he's not real. I was so excited because I thought I thought you guys didn't know. What? No, I, oh, the twin I, isn't real. Yeah. Yeah, I like. That's what I knew about this movie, like, before I had ever seen, like, sorry. Right. Well, but no, so, that's fair. I mean, it's aided by the fact, or like, now that's not really as cool because, like, Charlie Kaufman is a figure that a lot of people know, I guess. 
But uh, at the time, like, people thought that Donald Kaufman was a real person. And, like, he submitted, like, I think he was nominated. Yeah, he's credited in the movie and was nominated for Best Right, Best Screenplay at the Oscars. I think it was Charlie and Donald yeah, that were both nominated. Both yeah, Because yeah. people didn't realize that he wasn't a real guy, which is <laughs> hilarious. It's so funny. I feel like this movie does an amazing job at, like, uh, capturing the feeling of, of being a writer with a deadline mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. really knowing what to do, uh, which is, like, I've, I've only seen another piece of media do that, which was I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole. Oh, amazing But, like, show. it's, yeah, really really good. But I, I don't know. It's just, like, every single little thing, like, oh, like, I'll get a coffee now. Or, no, wait, I'll wait, like, five <laughs> minutes till like, I've written at least this part, and then I'll do that. But it's, like... I don't know. I, you don't really see media that like goes into the nitty gritty of just like the moment to moment of like words in your brain to the page and how stressful that is. Yeah. Um, and I think like, yeah, people don't really talk about it either. But like this movie, I was like, damn, like that really is how it'd be like sometimes. Like sometimes you're sitting there like, oh, shit, like what am I doing? Like and then you, you search for all these different um, um, avenues to like continue what, what you're saying. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoyed that that aspect of this. And usually, I, write, I, I like, what? Oh, I was usually okay. writing on screen is shown in such a like dramatic, uh, I guess overly glamorized way, where it's like it's the writer at the keyboard at the typewriter, and there's like stacks of like crumpled up paper beside, and they're just like, right. oh come on, how can I get I gotta get this done? A mad genius. And yeah, they're like yeah, exactly, like, like a mad genius thing, and then all of a sudden they just have a spark, and it's like I got it, and then they come up with the <laughs> brilliant idea, and it's like it always feels so fake. Yeah, Yeah. it's also just, it's really interesting because, like, the way that, like, we view, like, uh, commodity, like, art and, like, similar commodities is, like, that whole idea where, like, the process is supposed to be invisible, you know, marks, all that. Right. And, like, this movie completely rejects that because the process is the film itself, which is, like, it's literally a movie about where the plot of the movie mirrors the book that it is being adapted, both of which are about being like almost letting your life be ruled by like your work. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's interesting bec- to like think about a movie like that getting greenlit where it's like basically when I feel like the norm is that writing is supposed to be invisible unless you're like yeah. Aaron Sorkin where it's like, it's so clearly you writing it, but like that's a rare thing. Yeah. And this is like, I don't know. It's interesting. But then I can also understand people being like, oh, this is so annoying because it feels like a film screenplay writer, like just, you know, you know. Yeah. It should be the most annoying movie in the world. And I think to Nara, it was. And I think to you, it's not the most annoying movie in the world because I think you relate to it. On- yeah i think writer. so but i i think there's also like you know and and nara might disagree a lot of people might disagree but i think what adam and uh what you were saying hannah is true is that i think it's it's a movie about like losing yourself in your obsessions and your work and like kind of forgetting how to be a human being and, and looking for external solutions to like your internal problems yeah. um but i think in being so specific about screenwriting as a job I, I do think whenever you get that specific about someone's experiences, um, it becomes more universal. And you also see it mirrored in uh, Susan as well. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it could it, be kind of about anything. 
it's like on what you're saying there like the, i i think um susan in the, in the movie says like uh whittling down the world whittling the world down to something more manageable um and and that like she uses that to describe i guess the love for the flowers but also like it is kind of an advice for for uh for charlie as a writer like he is thinking about like so many things and is having such a hard time to like just find like a single thread to uh, thread to start and yeah it's like it's like just zoning down into something is i think the core of this movie um mm-hmm. and that's what really like hopped out to me but it also like dooms them sometimes because i think like you know i it's, it's unclear in her personal life whether this is a good or bad thing or whatever but she's kind of carved like this affair for herself like she has she's compartmentalized that into like oh i can fly to miami and get high and have an affair with this guy and it not really affect my like new york life which I think is is interesting. I love how like the two worlds, like how separate they are until like you feel the movie ramp up in pace once they are in that elevator together. And like mm-hmm. once their characters yeah. are in the same place at the same time and the two like uh, kind of stories like within like I yeah. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like so like film like broy being like, oh, it's so meta and like there's a story within the story, but the story is about the story and like <laughs> movies. But I don't think it's you cool know? like just because of that. Like I think it's well accomplished. I don't think it's just like trying to be meta for the sake no. of it. There's a lot. It that, could suck. Yeah. There's there's a lot of like really smart things that come from that, and especially like just because you're speaking about the ending. So going back to what Funke you said pretty early on on this uh, on this very podcast, um, <laughs> but yeah, just that it's like the whole movie is about him like competing with this text that he's trying to adapt and how to like actually put that on the page. Like he is like pretty much fighting with the text, and then it becomes like a literal like uh, confrontation with the like thing, the very thing that he's trying to adapt and. <laughs> very physical form and that's so cool like and that's a way to play with like meta-ness in a way that isn't just like look we've acknowledged that it's a movie it's like no that's very much the thematic part of it that's Mm -hmm. that's very important yeah Yeah. and also if this is sorry oh i was just gonna say it feels very genuine that the kind of like meta stuff they're they're doing it doesn't feel like meta for the sake of being meta like when uh he's like talking about narrative narrating and voiceover stuff and the guy's like don't ever do that shit it's horrible don't do it and then he like uses he a voiceover stops. right after yeah, or like right before that and yeah and stops and then at the end he even says like fuck it like i'm gonna do it anyways like it just feels right um and and that's what what i was like yeah like sometimes you have to break those rules yeah and i don't know that 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 part i was like oh that feels like like just genuine like someone's someone's advice that they 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 came into that was honestly i think very beautiful i i enjoyed that part a lot and oh i i agree and then going off of that like also like if donnie's representing this one part of him and maybe like the urge and the push to make conventional work and to make like a certain kind of storytelling uh i like how um like the third act is him taking the advice of this yeah, kind yeah. of conventional <laughs> real life film writer and taking his t- 
techniques on structure and then applying it fully. Like I love how he talks about the third act at the very beginning of the third act and the third act is fucking nuts. And it even though <laughs> the begin the first two acts of the film are quite slow. And it's the all- third act just yeah. it does do that. It does make the movie I think far more engaging and exciting. <laughs> and it's all the and things that he is, said he didn't want to do, right? He's like, oh, we don't, I don't want to put guns yeah. in it. I don't want to put a romance in it. And it's all those things. <laughs> People but don't can, come to life-changing realizations. Yeah. <laughs> you can feel like the process of the actual writer trying to write this thing actually, like, uh, it is, it's meta, you know, meta. It, that's it. It's doing... But I, I think also a saving grace is that the flower stuff is really good. Like, he didn't just go, like, fuck the book. Like, this is about me. Yeah. Like, the flower stuff is really well adapted. You really feel for those characters and understand them. But it's also, I am surprised that they wanted to adapt that story into a movie. <laughs> I, I feel like there was maybe a period where it was, like, any New York Times bestselling book. Like, if it's sold enough, they'll, you know, they're like, try. oh, people are interested. Yeah, they'll option it and just try. We should try it. Yeah. Nara, you seem to be biting your tongue. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, just, like, I have nothing so to say because I just think it was like a horrible experience. Oh, film! Like I just what didn't you what didn't you like about it? Well, like one or it's like I understand like like I understand why it does everything it does. I just really didn't enjoy it. Um, like I understand like sort of like the growth of like Kaufman from being like super insecure to being like oh, actually, I just have to, like, let go of that sometimes and just sort of, like, compromise because, like, in the end, it'll, like, make, like, a better product and it'll make me better as, like, a writer or whatever, like, going out of my comfort zone and, like, dropping my pride a little bit. Um, But then I'm just, like, this character is literally, like, so many, like, 17-year-old, like, boys that I knew in high school (laughs) that I had to fucking, like, sit there and console. And they'd be like, oh, my God, thank you. You helped me grow so much as a person. And then I'd be like, okay, and what do I get in return? Like, I get nothing. And you're just, like, abusing these people's feelings and feeling sorry for yourself. And I'm like, I do not care. Like, it's just, like, it's so... And then, like, seeing it as, like, this middle-aged dude who's, like, at this point in his career, like, fairly successful. And I'm like, you still need people to, like, help you, like, grow emotionally in a point where you should have been, like, 10 years ago. And it was just like, I was like, I can't deal with this character. Like, I really cannot. Mm-hmm. Real shit? I, d- I think, like, some of the sad sack stuff is harder to watch now, and I was maybe less critical of it the first time I saw it. But I think that is how he is. And it he presents it so unflatteringly that it's like, there's no way... And I get not wanting to watch him. But I'm like, if you I, are like, I totally that... Get it. But it's that, like, that's the exact problem that I have with it, where there's so many people who are like yeah I'm this way and I'm like a horrible person and I'm pleasant to be around and difficult to work with but I'm just going to acknowledge it and it's going to be a problem but I'm not going to fix it because I don't really need to because people will just go along with it because I am like talented and successful it reminded me of American Splendor yeah it's oh, a yeah. Lot American yeah Splendor. totally which is also better and all that yeah, so yeah. Honestly, I'm... no I, I mean I, I see your perspective for sure uh, Nara and I and I would totally understand why you would just be turned off from like spending that much time with this character. It's just, I, I just never feel like it's like we're supposed to think he's, uh, cool or right or a genius or, or anything like that. And I think that like, there are people that are telling him 
he's a genius and that it kind of causes him to i guess look down on people like his brother in the he's same so way that like gay-gy. in the same way that like Meryl's in the same way that Meryl's character looks down on uh, Chris Cooper's character at first as well like i think in both cases yeah. it's like these people that have gotten some kind of like um institutional support uh institutional praise uh praise from the establishment and it kind of causes them to like i guess have a bit of uh narcissism a bit of like you know they yeah. they only think about themselves and they look down on these people that uh they don't think are at as as advanced of a intellectual level as them and and i think that that's what we're supposed to be critiquing like he's not he's a he's a shitty guy yeah Mm-hmm. And, and I, 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 I think, or go ahead, Heather. Oh no, just like I understand what you're saying, Nara. Though because I do find there is a lot of work by uh dudes that are shitty guys, just talking about how they're shitty guys and acknowledging it and yeah, profiting yeah, off sure. of it, but <laughs> in no way actually making any in like effort to change and then it resonates with other shitty guys <laughs> and it creates a generation of like self-possessed shitty guys who then make their own work about being shitty guys and it's this endless chain and uh i understand especially as like a woman watching like these films sometimes you're just like because if like women have some space now to portray themselves in media as being shitty or complicated, but that is a new thing and it is not as easy to get away with. Yeah. Lena Dunham is a shitty person, portrays herself as shitty on girls, which is actually a well-written show. And we hate her and it as a product and women are not allowed to resonate with being sh- assholes the same way that guys are. Yeah. And so I understand what you're, coming from and i'm torn as to whether or not you should watch eternal sunshine i don't know if that will make you hate him more or less i don't really i'm sure want you've to. seen oh you, you haven't seen it i haven't seen it. i'm also like at this point i'm like there's so much media and so much content in the world that it's like do like i you just have to like pick and choose what you want to see and it's like that is not necessarily something that i want to like consume right. or like spend time with so i'm just not going to it's so beautiful though can I can I do my thing on Kaufman? Because I, I think this is sure. interesting. I was thinking about it a lot. Just real Let's quick. Hear it. Doesn't have to be okay. quick. We got all the time in the world. So he makes being John Malkovich, which is pretty weird, and it takes off in a way that I think people didn't really expect. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like an unexpected hit. And then he makes this, which I think is his best movie. It's my favorite of his movies. Um and it's I think the most commercial in a weird way, even though it's so strange. Yeah. Or I guess Eternal Sunshine. It's not that. I think Eternal Sunshine would be... This movie's not even that strange, though, I don't... Like, maybe, like, at the time it was strange, but I don't... Like, I guess for, like, a Hollywood film it's strange, but I really don't think it's, like, that strange because I was, like, watching it and I was, like... Like, okay, referencing back to early pod, but I'm, like, this is just the movie Head, but, like, made way later. How is this, how is this anything like Head? Because it's, like, it's another meta film reflecting on, like, these creators within their respective industry. I guess, like, it's a little bit different because Kaufman is, like, stuck and earnestly wants to continue. But, again, it's, like, Head is about them feeling, like, stuck and limited and confused, like, creatively about what to do. But they take sort of, like, a nihilistic approach, whereas Kaufman takes a very, like, self-obsessed approach. Yeah, Honestly, I can we should all just watch Spice World again because that's that Spice World is also like that. So, 
I, yeah, that's and, what I was just like watching head, it. Also, head is, yeah, yeah, I could see some of those thematic similarities. Head is like a like nihilistic clip show, though. Like it feels like a very different movie. Yeah, but I'm just sort of like also, I feel like head is way harder to follow. Like way, way, way no, that's harder to comparing follow. this to head. No, that's why I was just saying no, that's is. that's why I was saying this film doesn't seem that weird to me. Like it seems like pretty conventional oh. to me. Okay, but if you compare it to the other types of films you watch, Dara, of course it <laughs> seems like Citizen Kane. Like what? Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane weird. is the benchmark of conventional. <laughs> I think Citizen Cit- Kane is, is like it- less conventional than some other films that are out there but yeah yes, i have I never seen it citizen game oh. you don't really have to it's, it's good fine but it's I like mean, good to watch, to watch it if once, you don't want to but don't get don't, me and yeah, seb just... started on citizen Kane. <laughs> oh no what's the what's the tea i don't I know it's boring which i think is bizarre i think i think it's whatever. boring it's good to watch once but once you know it then it like literally you don't have to watch it I ever think again it's good yeah. to acknowledge its importance what? and the history of film and filmmaking and like the influence it's had and that's great, but like I don't think it deserves the title of being like Citizen Kane, which meaning like that title sure. is synonymous with being the best, and yeah. I, it's yeah. not. Well, when you put what, like whatever. when you put any movie up to the expectation of this is the greatest movie no, ever I, made, I know. and it's gonna not but look just, as good. I, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, <laughs> I think Funke, if you want to watch it, you should. But it's I not essential watching. It. Like watch whatever you want. I just contend that I think it's actually fun to watch. Yeah, I, I actually think, think it's, it's a boring. fun movie yeah, as well. Yeah, but Seb, you also thought that The Firm was fun to watch. No, so but like... there's some of those, there's definitely like those classic <laughs> movies where like it feels like eating vegetables. Like the, yeah. <laughs> that's not my expression. I've heard other people uh, use the that before. Only... But like where it's like, it feels like, or like it feels like homework, you know? It feels like, oh, yeah. I yeah. guess I have to do this. But I actually do enjoy watching Citizen Kane. I think it's I think actually a really fun movie. that's an entertaining movie. movie. Yeah, I think the only it's, thing that's, I liked in Citizen Kane once. was this part. There's just this one scene where one of his wives is doing a puzzle in this room with like ginormous statues, and I think like a giant fireplace. And I just really like the way that looks. Also, um, Winnie, fellow Insomniac member, friend of the pod, uh, they tweeted about how Taylor Swift's Blake Space video was filmed in the house where citizen kane takes place and i <laughs> and i want to read like a textual analysis of the two like comp- like a comparison oh. um anyways Someone if you're listening should, somebody yeah. do that for me thank you citizen kane another uh film about a shitty genius quote unquote <laughs> man who yeah gets away and with taylor being swift in blank space is about how she is a genius and everyone portrays her as shitty, but she does not get the same, uh, like, allowance to do things that she wants because she's a woman. Um, I feel like you should write this piece, Hannah. <laughs> then I have to watch Citizen Kane again. <laughs> Anyways, Can I do my comment sorry. thing real quick? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just think that in killing Donald here, he, like his subsequent career made this movie even better because he literally like did like other than eternal sunshine which is like a year later every movie after this gets less and less commercial Mm -hmm. and he starts directing them and there's like no donald left like he he killed him at the end of this movie like synecdoche new york is like (laughs) a great movie but it's like unwatchable it's so sad it's like so grim uh, and weird if you hate his like 
I guess narcissistic. Uh, I'm a shit, I'm a shitty guy, and the world sucks, and whatever. You're gonna hate Synecdoche, <laughs> New York. Anyone listening to this? But then he followed it. He followed it up with the feel good comedy Anomalisa, which is also <laughs> so bleak. <laughs> I like that one's like a bit easier to watch. I haven't seen the new one, which I feel like I should have for this one. It's also, but really I just bleak. think it's interesting that he 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 literally did kill his commercial instincts like on purpose, and like grew from that into like a real weirdo not not you had your hand up oh i was just gonna say another issue i had with this is this film is that it felt so selfish like i just hated how like selfish it felt uh, elaborate i just like i think like i like watching it i also personally it was like my types of films are like i like films about like groups of people that don't really have like a singular like you people may be able to tell from like my picks on this podcast like that don't have like maybe a like singular protagonist like I sort of gravitate more towards those stories um and it was like so much of this was about how it's like maybe that's also like the point of the film is like pointing out the issues with like Hollywood movies and like their obsession with like a singular character and a singular struggle um but like it was just so like I don't know, it was so selfish where it's like, I guess the point of the movie is like, oh, I'm going to explain my struggle with this and then we're going to see that it's like other people can relate and be like, oh yeah, it's not weird or like, I totally get that sort of thing, like opening it up to the audience in that way. But then the fact that it's like, I guess this goes back to like him being a like shitty dude, but like the fact that the entire movie is him being like, my life sucks, nobody else understands what I'm feeling or like, I don't feel like I can like articulate this to anyone else. So therefore I'm going to like put them down for feeling emotions that are like, contrary like contrary to mine i'm like bro you just hate people just i don't think the movie hates the other people though every other person like reacts in a realistic way to him being weird i and i don't think it really judges them for it other than maybe his agent yeah i guess but i also like i don't know i just felt like it's like maybe because just like that was the issues because there's so much of the attention was on him which is like i understand if like people not feeling comfortable like writing other like writing outside of themselves like that's like sometimes a difficult thing thing to do but they had like the exact same struggle i'm like okay i get it you guys are rich and privileged and you have problems but i really don't care like i really don't this is doing nothing for me sure and uh (laughs) Jumping off of that, like, something I, I will say that this movie kind of makes me think about, but that it's not, like, it. this is, like, this problem is specifically this film's fault. It's just kind of, like, a uh, symptom of, like, a larger... Uh, but, like, there are endless, like, pieces of media, like, films, books, movies, that get this kind of, like treatment like they're like they're like i don't know they're like held up with such prestige that are these i don't know there's like endless opportunity for like white men to be like self-indulgent in this way like and it's like it's i don't know i don't want to be too like cultural studies or whatever but it's just like it is making me think about the fact that like there are so many parts of the canon that are this exact kind of thing not not necessarily with the meta stuff but just like thinking about the kinds of characters the kinds of stories and archetypes that just kind of talk about the 
personal white male struggle like over and over again and get repeated and are able to and then comparing it to like the few successful careers of like women people of color especially women of color in film for example and how like those groups are always kind of delegated to filling quotas and so like they're isn't as and telling stories for like entire groups of people that they represent and there isn't the space to be self-indulgent in the same way like maybe that's increasing now there's more opportunities somewhat um for people to now start to explore the self but there's a lot more criticism that comes with that too people don't expect it there is there's like this kind of uh inherent political like political aspect to any story they tell because they don't really get to escape their identity well, it's like the thing is and, that it's like or sorry but it's like the thing is like white cishet man in society is seen as the non-denominator like there's no denomination yeah. to that identity it's not an identity it's nothing it's and you zero. get to have a personal identity you get yeah. to explore your inner self and be self-indulgent and selfish in these ways that like everyone else can't because the minute you get a platform suddenly you're responsible to speak for an entire group of people and you don't get to talk about you and yourself and tell stories that aren't relatable I once heard someone criticize Ladybird because it just didn't represent all kinds of womanhood and it's like well yeah it's a one person exploring their own story and experience and like it just sucks that like there aren't I don't know that that's there's such a huge real estate taken up by cis white het men doing this and then the few spaces left we, like I, I I don't know like I'm not against people being self-indulgent and selfish but like I do understand the fatigue with it um I, I guess I just went on a big rant and now I'm all anxious so yeah. no but you're spitting facts I I hear that especially like I was reading a book uh Trick Mirror from uh Gia Tolentino actually a writer for the New Yorker um, and she has a, a, a section on pure heroines and like the I guess the the pain of being a minority and feeling like you have to represent like the weight of every every other experience in your in your category or whatever. And she talks about like, yeah, like a, a, a woman can make something and I can not like it. But it feels like there's a pressure to to like it because of that. But she's like, there's no room for that for people that aren't white men. Like they they're constantly grappling with whatever they make and whatever they do, like with the whole weight of their identity. And yeah, like that that is that is a, a, a an insane issue. But I I think now we're finally getting like stories of of like flawed individuals and and people that like are are more intimate and personal and that don't necessarily have to. I guess cover the whole wide span of their identity like shows like Insecure or whatever with, with Issa Rae like she's not a good person in that show and like every episode it's like something nuts is happening and she's making like the worst choice in the world and I don't I, I love a show like that because it like it allows a black woman to just be like a person and it's not like there are episodes like about like her identity but it's also just like about her day to day and just like being a person and, and like the choices that she makes which is which is really awesome yeah i guess also like one of the things is like why i felt like disconnected from this film or like from that struggle of like being a creator 
and like being like in your own head and like getting so like thrown into the, your work that you're just like getting confused and like obsessed with it and like angry with it and just feeling like whole range of emotions towards it um and especially like the like fear of getting criticism about it is that like my fear like when I'm broadcasting work is never like oh this work isn't good enough or this work isn't like this work is like stupid or gonna portray me badly my work my struggle is always like oh am I taking up space that I that somebody else could use better it's always like in my head it's like about platforming other people and I think it's like such a selfish thing to be like and like such a stupid like concern which is maybe something that's been pointed up in this film a little bit um to just be like oh this work is bad so I don't want to share it like that's such a dumb reason not to share work when well, no yeah. exactly yeah sorry just like what you said like I'd never kind of thought about it in those words but like it's true it's like the like that is like I feel like that's probably universally felt by anyone who like I don't know isn't a straight white man where you're like there is that you do feel that extra pressure trying to create work of like yeah especially like yeah I mean like I'm a white woman so like I know that there's like I have certain privilege and like I don't want to be too self-indulgent because I already am taking up space but like I don't know I just fucking wish that people everybody got a fucking platform and voice and I don't know where I'm going yeah but it's like I guess that's like one of like also like why I felt disconnected because I just like could not identify with the artistic struggle in that way um I think also like for me like personally as like a creator like very early on I just sort of like got over that fear because I got the best piece of advice I've ever gotten maybe not the best but it's like one of the most transformative pieces of advice I got ever was in grade nine we were screening like 60s in the odd and I wanted to like walk out when mine played and I was like going to and KJ Johnson walked by and just said get over it and like from then on I was like yeah it's like what 60 seconds of my time if people don't like it they don't like it but like I made that and I did something so that's like better than doing nothing and I'm like yeah I'm like okay so I learned that at 14 with like three words from a teacher in passing why does this like 30 year old man who's had so much validation not get it because you don't have an ego complex (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think i i enjoyed the movie because coming to that realization is like something that is like nuts i think like when in, in my personal life when i was just like it doesn't fucking matter like just like you're making something you if you really like it then i i think that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Like if people are going to dislike it or, or, or like it and people are going to have opinions on it. But yeah, I, I found it fascinating to like go back into, I guess that mindset of like just figuring out, like being like, okay, what is, what is the answer? What is the answer? And, and not knowing. And yeah, his, it is weird that he's like old as hell and like go, going through this one, but like, <laughs> how old is he? Not that old. <laughs> what is he? I thought it was like, He's probably like in his 40s, baby. 30s, 40s. Yeah, but I mean. 40s and you still don't know how to like. But he's been creating for a while too. Yeah. (laughs) It it feels like this is like one of the first like epiphanies you have as a creator. But I I don't know. So you guys are knocking the movie for him having flaws. I'm just. Oh, no. I like the flaws. It's unnecessary. I'm just like, it's not a necessary movie for the greater canon, I don't think. I I I, liked the movie. That's that's the measure of art, if it's necessary. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what about for the creator themselves? Like, no, I I, I know he's a flawed guy and I get not liking him or or empathizing with him, but it's like. 
I mean, he knows he has flaws. He's trying to work through it. With I don't know. Maybe I just well, I... don't think it deserves the praise that it has. Like, maybe it'd be fine if it was, like, not everyone was like, this is such a good movie. If people were like, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. And then I was like, that's fine. I can move on and not think about it. I understand the first... hearing about adaptation that much. Well, I'm in film school, so yeah. <laughs> I understand the frustration that, so. like, it, it, uh, you know, only a white guy could make something that is so, like self-indulgent and uh i guess metatextual and narcissistic especially in 2003 or whatever i will say you guys should all watch i may destroy you because uh if you do want something that's metatextual and self-reflective in a very smart way and not made by a white guy she's a black woman uh it's very very yeah, good maybe i will lots of you should all watch that saying good things yeah. about it, so maybe i will no, watch yeah it. Like, literally, sit down and watch it, because, like, everyone's telling me to watch that shit, and I was like, okay, yeah, like, I'll watch it, I'll watch it. I played the first episode, and I was like, this is whoa! It. Yeah. Like, and it just gets yeah, no, better and better is... from there. The last, like, literally ten does. minutes of I May Destroy You are some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Yeah. Very, very good TV. I'm also, But like, we'll talk about that one day. I also have an issue with this film, just because I'm, of its portrayal with of, like, indigenous people, and, like not rich white people i guess like not affluent like intellectuals it's just like gatekeeping what it means to like have a successful life and like to have emotions about things and like feel about things um which i guess is mostly like through the story of laroche who was like the most compelling part of the film to me but i'm also like damn y'all really intellectual like folks are really like if you're enjoying something, then you're wrong about that, and you should just be suffering for your art or for your like. But do you think the the movie is looking down on LaRoche? I think the characters are. But I think, those characters are shown to be foolish. I think the characters are, and they're like I think they are like shown to be foolish, but they are also shown to be more like like maybe not emotionally fulfilled and like fulfilled in life but they are shown sort of like to be more successful in life and more like um i don't know like but more it's... deserving of what is happening say, to them i guess the movie does sort of romantic not romanticize but like it kind of there's something and it kind of feels like it's like wouldn't life be simpler if i wasn't so smart and i yeah, wasn't that's tormented by by my own lack of satisfaction and could just be content with whatever kind of and I'm not I'm not saying I I like the movie and I think that the movie like is doing interesting stuff and I don't think that the movie thinks that like it's weird I don't know like I think the movie I don't think it's super like uh the like it uh sorry my brain is scrambled but like i think it's critical of the kaufman character but then at the same time because kaufman is kaufman it's hard to like the movie makes it hard to criticize yeah like, <laughs> it makes it hard to criticize the character without criticizing the movie because the movie makes such an effort of blending those lines between real life and the movie so it that's where the kind of you know i'm also like it's not like it from because it was originally like this movie is about him struggling to adapt this book where i'm like okay so you've adapted 50 percent of it and maybe it's not like the most compelling story to adapt ever but i'm like 
you are given this cast of interesting characters who you could investigate and probably still unveil these truths without having to like be like insert yourself and like change yeah, the story that, which is like that's a valid criticism i just think like laroche is is portrayed as having just as much humanity and being just as complex as like susan for example and the scene where she makes fun of him with her new york intellectual friends is supposed to make you angry yeah yeah you're not supposed to like agree with them yeah but i guess it's also just that thing where it's like i don't know it's like it's like one of those things where i guess it's like we look down on LaRoche, but then we're supposed to, we realize it's, like, oh, actually, like, LaRoche sort of has it figured out by, like, valuing, like, I guess, quote-unquote, like, simple things compared to, like, academia or, like, intellectualism or whatever. But then we're still, he's looking down on, like, the indigenous peoples that, like, worked for him or that he used to work with. Yeah, I think that's a character flaw of him. Which but is I, like, I think that's shown in the movie. Those characters don't get to, like, have their own say, which sucks. But I yeah. imagine... No. Maybe this is a shitty assumption. I imagine it's from the book. Yeah. Um, which is her not really investigating them. Yeah, but then it's like, I think there's just like, because so much of this movie is caught up in like Kaufman's character, it's hard. Like, I think that exploration of like LaRoche and like how he functions as a human starts to happen, but could be like more realized. And I think is like a more compelling story to me about how, um, sort of like Susan is actually like learning a lot from LaRoche but LaRoche is also still like flawed as a character and like has these more complex like like has like more complex like um motivations for everything than one like than this like New York intellectual society like assumes um would is just like a more compelling story to me than seeing Kaufman struggling to adapt this book and struggling to be like an intellectual and struggling with like selling out or whatever um like that that makes sense to me but i also think that story is a lot more conventional not just if you strip away the meta stuff but i think there's you know just as condescending an element of like oh it turns out like this guy you think is a hick is actually really invested full of life and wise and it's like i think this movie trusts that you figure that out very quickly Mm -hmm. faster than i'll be honest i probably wouldn't see that movie if it was just that Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like I, I don't know. Maybe it's like, I feel like there is a way to make this, that film interesting. I think maybe it's because I was thinking of like the parallels that like Kaufman's character draws where he's like, people don't want to see a movie about people just existing. But then I'm like, oh, those are like all the film. Like, those are a lot of the films that I watch. Those are a lot of like non-Western films are just like that. A lot of like, not necessarily like, I guess more like niche films maybe, or like, are just like that. Or like, so I'm like, I don't like I just don't understand it because he's just like pointing out all these problems. But then I'm like, wait, but those are films that exist and those are films that are successful. He pushes against that. Like the other characters are telling him that. No, but then then I guess he caves. I think it's about what's successful within the realm of like mainstream Western Hollywood cinema, though. It's like. Like. Obviously, like there is examples from other like niche genres or like um like international films but like i think within the context of like the industry or the part of the industry he's working in like like yeah that i guess like that isn't the kind of thing that like execs would be telling you to make yeah Yeah, i think the critique you're making nara is made by the movie with the fact that his brother's script sells way better 
and he goes, oh, I guess I have to cave. I can't make a movie in, in the style that I want. Yeah, you know? I, yeah, I see that, but I'm also, like, I guess I read that more as, like, he's like, oh, Hollywood is, like, cheap, where I'm like, maybe it would have been more interesting to see him write that script, get negative feedback, and then do, or, like, not even get negative feedback, but, like, somehow, like, show it, like, have, like, parse that out with his brother or something, and then go from there. Um, just because it's, like, I, I don't know, it's sort of, like, I guess I'm also thinking, like, in the context of, like, the audience this is being sold to, I'm, like, oh, yeah, that's just, like, continuing, like, a narrative that, like, these films are, like, from a very specific part of the world or, like, for a very specific audience and seems, like, very, like, narrow-minded and sort of makes him seem, like, again, like, more intellectually, like, elite um, for being, like, this instead of being, like, hey, actually, like, people would probably resonate with these movies too and, like, fighting that cause. I don't know. I feel like you're kind of critiquing the world rather than the movie. And I think the movie is also critiquing the world. I guess that too, but I'm just, like, I don't know. I, like, this movie is just, like, not, like, I guess it just, like, touches on a bunch of topics that I'm, like, that would be more interesting, but then, like, does it in a way that is just, like, not, or, like, I think is, like, kind of toxic. Sure. Should we take, take a, walk a stroll down Lack Actor Avenue? Yeah. Or wait, oh, wasn't yeah. it the, the Chris, Chris Crescent? Crescent? Chris Crescent. <laughs> oh. But wait, can we do the rest of the cast also? Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, hey. I, I don't but, know. But first, should we talk about Chris Cooper? I guess we did already before, but um, that was this an hour ago. Yeah, th- this performance. <laughs> I think he's really good. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. He's great. Very good, Chris. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like um, I see him a lot playing kind of like corporate guys or like lawyers or businessmen. He's not usually this type of character. I actually think it's kind of a stretch of his range. Like he's the villain in the Jason Siegel Muppet movie. He's really good. He's like the evil businessman, and he has the song about how evil he is. Oh, I guess so. He's he's the villain in one of the Bourne movies. Like that's usually what he does. He's the neighbor in American Beauty, who's like he's closeted. Neighbor, well, but is this in... like that much different from being a villain? Because he's still playing like a manipulative person to a degree, wait, or like a wait, skinny is the neighbor, person. Is the neighbor in American Beauty the dad of the weird guy? Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I, I just think he's, he he's very good at, at switching up his mannerisms, his his way of speaking, that you see the guy and you, you go, like, not just the costuming and, you know, the missing teeth and stuff, but you're like, this guy, like, lives in a swamp. And you get that idea, well, him, him also clearly being, like, intelligent and charismatic and uh, all these other facets to the character. Yeah, he killed it. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, wackest performance is Catherine Keener as Catherine Keener with maybe two <laughs> lines of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. I like when uh, John Cusack you're so ices crazy. him, too. Oh, wait, what did you say, Seb? I like when John Cusack ices him, too. Yeah, oh, fun. yeah. I oh, forgot yeah. about John Cusack. <laughs> At the start, like when they're on set for being John Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. That was very <laughs> No, but then he does it later. It's like Isn't later it? when he's visiting oh. the set and Donald Donald meets. Oh Megan yeah. Jones. Oh yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, my my. Bad. And he like waves at John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm 
<laughs> like, I yeah, I'm, th- those are my favorite. Uh, I, I think Judy Greer is really good too. Oh yeah, I forgot. I love yeah. Judy. Plays, okay. Like she plays the the waitress and she plays the uncomfortableness very well. I think she plays like fake, like she plays like waitress, like server nice so well. Yeah, yeah. That was such an awkward scene. I heard <laughs> that, he was like, "Oh boy, this is she's gonna fall in love with me." Yeah. No, dude. <laughs> like, oh, I, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? I love when he says like one too many facts about orchids. Yeah, like <laughs> she's like still reading about orchids. He's and he like identifies the flower, and she's like, "Oh, cool." And he's like, thirty thousand orchids grow across the world <laughs> worldwide." <laughs> Yeah, and then that one pause before she's like, I'm going to get the cough off. <laughs> Way too long. Oh, and then Jeez. just the way she whispers to the other waitress, and then they both <laughs> look over at him. Oh, God. So painful. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> um, Folks, do we want to give whack numbers? We've been recording for like an hour and 15 now. Let's do the scores. Let's do the scores. Okay, I'm gonna go first. I I want to give this one. Okay, I really enjoyed this movie. the The way that it like, I guess, fused the book and and the movie and the and the writing process all together and pretty seamlessly and like jumped back and forth very well. Uh, it, it reminded me of um fucking uh, perfect blue like there's this there's this character in who is like playing an actress and then uh she's in she's acting in a movie in the movie uh and it kind of like blends that and like stuff that happens in that in that fictional movie inside the movie like affects real life um and it, 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 i i found that movie like incredible because it's like oh shit i didn't know you could mess with i guess uh the audience's perception of reality and and, and stuff like that uh, and I think this movie does that in, in, in an interesting way that I, I've not seen before. And I think that uh, it's pretty whack because of it. So I'll give it a four. I love when, when Cage is playing Donald playing Charlie. When he's like, <laughs> that's my oh, favorite yeah. like layer thing when he's in uh, Meryl Streep's office. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Perfect Blue is my friend uh, Heather's favorite movie. So shout out to Heather. Uh, shout out, Heather. Perfect Blue. Good You're movie. Listening. Perfect blue, and eh, more like good blue. <laughs> <laughs> Heather thinks that's it's the meanest yeah. uh, critique Adam's ever given of a film. <laughs> yeah, that's the harshest I've ever been on a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll echo that for. I think it's really uh, it's a unique flick, and I like it a lot. I'll third that four. Wow. I'll fourth that uh, four. What's your thoughts on Perfect Blue, though? I've never even heard of it. Good Blue. Yeah, that's one of the best things I've said. <laughs> it, I honestly, have, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was a great one. <laughs> More like Good Blue. Yeah, this movie's whack. I'm giving uh, it a two. Fair. I think, I think I've seen whacker films out there. I think you have. I've seen so many like whacker films that I actually enjoyed and that weren't just like making me feel resentment to a bunch of people that I know over again and relive <laughs> <Wow>. that. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally like teenage boys who are into like art, quote unquote, or like creative scenes are the worst. 
Um, especially when they are affluent white teenage boys. The worst. Um, and I think the wackest thing is its poor uh, uh, portrayal of indigenous folks. So I'm going to give it is a it, two. I guess we don't have time. But is it really that bad or is it just that it doesn't focus on them at all? Which is bad. No, I think it's bad. Like, I think it is making them out to be caricatures. Caricatures. I just think it's from the book, which I assume is from the real story. I'm, I'm making a bunch of assumptions that it's from the book and the real story. And I don't think, like, for example, them getting high is portrayed as a bad thing because the other characters also use the flower for that. No, but I think the way he frames it where he's using them as a prop in his story and they are just like readily going to go along with it but then they were going along with it for like sneaky selfish terms and then he's like undermining the fact that it is like actually their like inherent right to that land and their inherent right to the, a ceremonial plant and he's sort of like making it out like maybe that's yeah like a but i think flaw, the real but... dude did that yeah but i like i just also think it's like then the way those characters aren't given like, it's, like, as a screenwriter yes, and sure. as a, somebody who's adapting that into a movie, there are, and especially, like, a meta movie, there are ways to, like, be um, thoughtful about that and to address it better. And there's space in this movie to address it better where he could have, because it is meta, gone and then referenced their storyline in a part. And, sure. like, it wouldn't have been weird. He could have even referenced them earlier when he does the flashback over, like, the traditional or, like, the historical um, view of the hollywood landscape but no indigenous right. people are referenced in that sequence at all fair so i like i think there is space for it to be like elaborated on more but yeah i like the part with robert mckee because i forgot to say this earlier i feel like that's not that i'm an accomplished screenwriter but that's also <laughs> my relationship yeah, with you robert are, mckee Seb. Oh, thanks. With with Robert McKee as a screenwriter, where I'm like, this guy is dumb, and all his rules are stupid, and like you shouldn't make movies as a cookie cutter thing. But then every once in a while, I'm writing, and I'm like, oh, he did say that thing. That's, uh, that's pretty smart. I might use that here. <laughs> it can help you. True, true, true. I give four. Four? Four. Okay. So then, what is our final? We gotta put this in the machine. <laughs> Um, the final number that we are getting spit out is a nice round 3.6. Maybe not round, because it's a 3.6. 3.6. Well, there's there's round edges to those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They're kind of curved. Hey, now... Um, yeah? Oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, now my podcast crews, I, I want you to imagine me and you. I do. <laughs> I think about you day and night. It's only right. To think about the girl you love and hold her tight. So, so happy, happy together. together. Yeah. Um, thank you that, for listening. Wait, can I say <laughs> that's oh, the end? Wait. Can I say <laughs> what? Can I, I have? Can I go next week? I want to do one very badly. What? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Okay. Well, you know, I thought, what's the Chris who's really impacted my life the most? And I realized Thinking about basketball players named Chris. <laughs> oh yeah, Bosch. Chris Bosch. He did impact. Yeah, Chris. My oh, life. it's Chris Kringle. We're gonna watch the Santa Claus. Chris Bosch did impact my life. My middle name is Chris. So I mean, one of you could pick one of my movies if you want. 
<laughs> but the really the Chris that impacted my life the most was a uh, Chris Angel. Um, no, are you serious? Mm-hmm. I used to watch Mind Freak. so much Mind Freak. <laughs> Mind Freak. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. But I thought you know you guys would be like, well, we can't watch a TV show. So I checked on Letterbox. I was like, maybe there's a Chris Angel thing on here. And oh, are you serious? Chris Angel Mind Freak Halloween Special. <laughs> Could have done this for Hallowack, but you know what? It's Chris at Wax. Where so the fuck are we gonna find I that? I found it. I found it. I found a download for it. So I'm gonna um, send it wait, to you take all. That out. Wait, if you're an you mean a legal purchase? Uh, yeah, legal purchase. Uh, <laughs> so if anyone on our podcast wants to watch it. Uh, message us and we'll oh we'll God. get you a, send you a link we'll to send a you legal a purchase. very to very legal, legal yeah purchase <laughs> that you can purchase uh, Adam you're literally gonna send us all to jail uh, so we're gonna be watching Chris Angel Mind Freak Halloween special uh, yes uh, I, I'm sure we'll get into this, this. Is, we'll get into this I'm sure on the episode but it I might give you some tips to escape jail I was a huge <laughs> huge it. Chris Angel fan. Uh, and I'm very excited. Uh, for this. I've watched some clips since a ch- being a child. Certainly does not hold up, but I'm excited <laughs> to go back to a full episode and see. I might send you guys since the episode's only like 40 minutes long. I might compile a playlist of some other Chris Angel scenes. Uh, if I do that, I will also is you this, know anyone who wants to message this, us and and uh, and uh, talk, we will, and I'll send it to you. But yes, uh, Chris is this Ang- allowed. This feels against the rules. Why? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's our podcast. We can do anything we want. This feels highly whack of you. Okay. Mm. I, <laughs> I have a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nara. Oh, I had shout outs. But if you have something that is more Chris related... It is Chris related. You go first with your Chris. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I wanted... So I came home after going for a walk and I turned on the TV and I saw the last 40 minutes of a movie called Grown Ups 2. <laughs> oh! Um, <laughs> And there's a, there's yes. a Chris in that movie, but I just have a question. Does this have to be a Chris that means like a lot to me? No, no, my be... my Chris no. didn't mean much to me. No, okay. but okay. Um, so Chris also, if you make me watch Grown Ups, Grown Ups too, okay? I so it is. Well, it is like I want to watch. It is Grown the Ups worst too. movie I've ever seen. Like the stuff that I've I saw from just that forty minutes, I was like, this is like, like is it... the worst. Oh, I'm so, so excited. Like, the movie. Worse than emoji movie, yes. Like literally worse than emoji. I like how funny. Are you like, gonna make here, like... us watch it? Is this what you're trying to say? Please. I I'm not saying anything until yeah. it's my turn to think about <laughs> it. Is, and you're like racking up like picks that people just hate. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, the idea of go... like we're investigating Chris Rock through Chris <laughs> too. Yeah, we could pick any Chris Rock, any Chris Rock movie. <laughs> we're doing Chris Rock or uh, uh, Grown Ups too. <laughs> It's so weird, guys. I checked his IMDb, and it's just Grown Ups 2, 50 times <laughs> in a row. I don't know what else he's done. <laughs> That's all of my Chris talk for now. Lara. So we'll all do right. Chris, Chris Angel Chris Mind Rock Freak talk. Halloween special next week, and then after that, <laughs> maybe. Might be doing, might be doing Grown Ups 2. Get excited, Ooh, Unless everyone. I find a better Get Chris. Get excited, everyone. It's going to be a great two <laughs> Get weeks. Get hyped. <laughs> it will be. Anyway, um, I have shout-outs. Um, well, one shout-out to EC and Ryan, our biggest fans. Shout-out. Uh, shout-out. Good night, yes. Ryan. Good night. Even though it's the end of Good the episode night. and you're probably <laughs> awake right now. Um, 
And also shout out to new listeners. Good night, EC, also, if you're falling asleep. Now. Yeah, good night, EC. Morning. Or yeah, good morning. Or, or morning. Good, true. good night to anyone who's sleeping and good, good morning afternoon. to anyone who's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also shout out to Tessa Hill. Oh, um, shout out Tessa Hill. Tessa Hill, send me a Facebook message. Thank you for listening. Shout out uh, Tessa Hill. Daniel. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, Kun was reading a book beside me. And then I looked over at the page. And you are, your quote, oh, what, what was the book? Frick. Okay, hold on. Hold on. You got, you can keep going. I'm just gonna. Okay, and then also shout out Daniel. Um, shout out Daniel. Thank you for listening. Coworker Daniel. Um, also shout out <laughs> Daniel because Daniel also does not like this movie. And so hater <laughs> solidarity. Hater. Am I, yeah. The book was Had It Coming, uh, written by Robin Doolittle. I haven't read it, but Kun read it and thought it was good. <laughs> wow. Uh, Aiden told me that he's been listening chronologically. Oh, is that like you've got mail or something? Hell yeah, you got oh. mail. Classic. Was, I don't know if it was you got a, mail, but he was pretty episode. far in. Well, he's he catching was, up. Wow. Yeah. So if you make it this far, thank you, Aiden. Whenever you hear this, thank you, Aiden. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. You'll make it to it love... someday. I love EC's um, commentary, like when sharing the episode. Oh, yeah. I was reading that like, oh, true. Like, yes. It's always, I I love when people are like, I've seen this or like shout out um, because it's like, damn. Because we talk into this microphone, but then when people are like, we listen to it, it's like. I know. Whoa. Mind explosion every single time. I know. I don't know. It's great. Thank you for listening. It's true. It means a lot every time. So if you listen, let us know, please. Yeah, big thanks. Yeah. Big get things. a shout out. Yeah. Maybe you'll find your way in a book. Maybe. Maybe Ooh, we'll the, write it a book, book. And everyone who's listened to this will get their name printed in it. Um, as many for as many episodes as they've listened to. Like. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. I wonder what that book would be. <laughs> Just names. <laughs> Just it, names. It like would be book. a pamphlet. Ah, one page like, for each no, not episode. Even. It would be a post-it note. Um, it's gonna be the size of Lord of the Rings. Ooh. It's gonna be hey, huge. Hey, yeah. I so many so. listeners. So many listeners. Nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, are we gonna say thank you? To oh yeah. Jamal Fitlack, right? <laughs> yeah. Guys, this this yeah. is this is such a messy episode. <laughs> thank you, Emma. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> yes, Emma for the uh, logo. Ian for the music. Hannah, it's just meta. Yeah. Oh yeah, we never wrapped up that plot. Uh, yeah, there's a murder. He uh, he died. Mad- <laughs> Mado died. Yeah. It turns out we were all just Seb, and we were facets of Seb's personality. Oh no. Oh. And we all got eaten by alligators. Shit. Man, if we had prepped ahead, we could have made such a funny meta episode. Okay, so everyone, br- everyone, bring some magic tricks to the next one. <laughs> I oh uh, oh. I've been watching Chris Angel mind flipped over the last couple weeks. Oh. Uh, I've never seen Chris Angel in my life. Me neither. Yeah. I have a lot to talk about Chris Angel, but I will save it for the pod. Wait, so Funka, you've seen Mind Freak? I have. Okay, hell yeah. A lot of times. None of you, uh, none, none of the rest of you have seen it. Nope. So you, okay, guys get, wow. you guys don't get this? You guys don't get this? Mine. <laughs> no, I don't get this. I can ready. guess. I can ready. Well, That's how he signs up. Disappear. Every- <laughs> oh, shit, I did. 
<laughs> this is how he ends every shot. How he ends every shot. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we already sang the song. Bye. Yeah, sing it again. Imagine me. <laughs> you, and you and me. I think about you. Okay. <laughs> Mom, get out. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs>